Well, since we last spoke, Missouri added a tight end from Buffalo and a defensive lineman from Auburn. So far, is Missouri winning or losing the transfer portal battle this offseason? Well, all this plus some Tiger basketball, too, coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou, your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hail you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and the central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And thanks for making this show your first listen each and every day. And thanks for telling a friend, of course, that we are free and available on all platforms, but you know what? Again, apologies for missing yesterday's show. Got to be honest, getting harder and harder as my wife gets more and more pregnant to keep up five days a week with this show, but I'm, I'm trying my best. I, I promise there's just a lot going on in my life right now and a lot going on on the Tiger football beat, despite it being the off season. And well, probably the biggest news is that Missouri finally got a tight end from the transfer portal recently. Had to be an obvious spot, right? With Messiah Swenson, with Daniel Parker Jr. entering the transfer portal, and also Nico Hay, somewhat surprisingly, at least from from my perspective, medically retiring after this previous season. So, yeah, a tight end, definitely a position of need. And Tyler Stevens from Buffalo, apparently, according to Eli Drinkwitz and his staff, well, they think he fits the bill. Interestingly, though, not a lot of eye-popping statistics for Stevens. Less than 200 yards receiving last season. So, I don't know, perhaps just another tight end that, well, frankly, Drinkwitz just doesn't use that much. Because so far, three years as a coach, including that one season at App State, Drinkwitz just hasn't shown a lot of inclination to throw the ball to the tight end. Especially down the seams, down the middle of the field like tight ends are often used, frankly. Now, you saw Nico Hay get some, you know, obviously some almost trick plays designed from him at times. They definitely liked using that shovel pass play that Andy Reid and the Chiefs have kind of made famous. Oh, God, I brought up the Chiefs. (sighs) Okay, sorry, I digress. I got derailed myself there for a second. But in all seriousness, I think what you really want to look at here if you're a Missouri fan is – So far, with all this movement in the transfer portal, guys transferring in, guys transferring out, well, where are we here? Is this a net gain for the Tigers? Is this a net loss? And and I say this obviously knowing that there's still more movement to be had for sure in the portal. But if you take a step back, I think the biggest news obviously was Makai Wingo deciding to transfer. That was certainly Missouri's biggest loss. But then on the other hand, maybe the biggest gain – was Jaden Jernigan at the same position, an Oklahoma State veteran? You know, you could argue that maybe that's a wash. I think most Missouri fans, if they could, if they were being honest with you, they'd say they'd rather have Makai Wingo, the true freshman, a guy who showed that kind of ability. And a guy, obviously, if LSU's interested in you, well, it's probably a good sign that you're a pretty darn good player. But again, the Jaden Jernigan kid from Oklahoma State, about as solid of a replacement as you could possibly get there. So if you want to say that's a slight net loss for Missouri, well, you know what? I wouldn't really argue with you. I'm just not sure it's a huge loss at this point. Now, you look at the other guys who have transferred out. Clearly the biggest name, I already mentioned the two tight ends, but 
The biggest name is Connor Bazelak. The quarterback, well, how do we feel about Connor Bazelak? We've discussed it many, many times on this program, and from my perspective, I think Bazelak can still be a solid quarterback at this level. He just needs to get healthy. He's got to get his mind right once again, and maybe he can do that with Indiana next season. But at the same time, I feel pretty confident that one of Brady Cook, Tyler Macon, Sam Horn, at least going forward, if not certainly this season, I think we'll be okay with Brady Cook. But going forward, I think any of those three guys could be potentially your starter of the future. And I thought Brady Cook in the bowl game, as I've said before, just added a different element to the Missouri offense with his legs that had been missing all season, quite frankly, especially since the the Kentucky ball game, the second ball game of the year for Missouri. I just thought the complete lack of mobility from Basilak, he got banged up at the end of that game. I thought it really hurt Missouri's offense and, and limited Tyler Beatty even, as great as he was this season. Now, as far as the rest of the guys that have decided to transfer out, really it's frankly just a bunch of veteran players, most of which who had already had four years at Missouri or were technically seniors or taking their their COVID year, their graduate transfer, extra year, whatever it might be. And we're talking about guys like Sean Robinson, Jartorian Hansford, Ish Burdeen, and that type of player, Chris Sheeran, also, also a defensive back. Again, a bunch of guys who have been around the program for a while and a bunch of guys who, frankly, never really were solidified as first-teamers by any stretch of the imagination. Listen, we all love the Sean Robinson story as far as him sticking around and becoming a safety and becoming a relatively productive player, but despite his obviously important and memorable interception in Boston earlier in the season, I think Sean Robinson was probably a replacement-level safety, if I'm being honest. I just don't think there was anything particularly special about Sean or you know any any of those players that that are beyond replacement so when you actually look at the guys that Missouri brought in though it's not as though there's a bunch of obvious blue chippers though either now I do think the two hopper kids Tyron Hopper linebacker from Florida I think there's a good chance he's an immediate starter same with Tyrone Hopper too perhaps at at weak side defensive end something like that and Nathaniel Pete, I think he's obviously going to be part of the running back rotation, the transfer from Stanford, former former Rockbridge running back. But then, you know, you do have just a bunch of guys like Drayden Norwood, who is a high-level recruit, cornerback. Texas A&M is where he decided to transfer from. And he hasn't shown anything, really, at the college level, to be fair. He hasn't proven anything. But what I'm saying is, is some of those other guys, some of those veterans have sort of proven that, well, they're just, frankly, just replacement level players. So to me, at the very least, if you get a guy like Norwood, maybe there's more upside there. He only spent one season at Texas A&M. So easy to imagine that, yeah, there's still more to get out of him. So to me, the upside of that type of name is worth it. And then one more, Bence Polgar, he's a, a center. So... We, we need a center there. If he can be anything close to what Mike Maietti is, then obviously he's a, a good addition as well. So, I don't know. To me, you just look at it. You take a, a, an objective look. I think Missouri isn't really losing a whole lot other than Makai Wingo. And I think you're at least 
replacing him with a reasonable facsimile of Makai Wingo as an, as an interior defensive lineman. You're at least getting a guy who's been a productive player in the Big 12, a veteran, a guy with some experience. And then on top of that, you've got at least, I think, two or three more guys who are going to be either starters or big parts of the running back rotation, right? So to me, the the upside of the players, the younger players that Missouri has brought in is actually, to me, it actually outweighs what we've lost. So, so far, at least, while the transfer portal is very strange in a lot of ways and something that Missouri fans are going to have to get used to, myself included, I actually think you take a step back, at least as of right now, I think it's a net positive for 2022 for the Tigers. I think this roster has actually gotten a little bit better in the offseason. And while the transfer portal is alive and well, so is the high school market apparently too because Missouri surprisingly added a three-star linebacker, excuse me here, at the last second. So let's talk about that young man after the break. But first I want to tell you that there might be less football being played right now, but betonline.net, that's right, betonline.net has way more odds and info for this playoff season from scores, totals, player performance props to where the next coach fired is going to land. BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And of course, it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC odds, coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. And thanks again for making Locked On Mizzou your first listen. Why don't all you St. Louis Cardinals fans give my buddy Lucas Smith a shot? He's a former Missouri graduate as well. In fact, a much more recent Missouri graduate than this old man here. Lucas, a really good guy. He's got you covered over at Locked On Cardinals, wherever you get your podcasts. But you know what? Still more football to get to here quickly. Three-star linebacker Carmica Glass from Monroe, Louisiana, your latest member of the 2022 high school class for the Tigers. Obviously, this is a bit of a surprise, a, a late addition to the class, but you know, sort of reminiscent a little bit of, of Charles Harris back in the day, right, and some other Missouri players who were added at the last second. Now, I don't want to put Charles Harris type of expectations on young Mr. Glass there, but obviously just a, a high upside guy, maybe a project that Missouri won to take a chance on there, so just wanted to let all of you know about that young man's commitment. Obviously, not a great showing for Missouri, especially in the second half against Iowa State up in Ames. This is the men's basketball team, of course, and well, a, kind of a rough shooting game from Kobe Brown. It's hard for Missouri to win if he's only going to score one basket, but oddly enough, the game started off pretty well for Brown and Missouri. One thing I noticed, and you know, Rock M Nation actually had a pretty good breakdown on the Iowa State defense this morning, but they were basically playing a no-middle defense, if you will, essentially just trying to force all penetration and all everything to the sidelines, the baseline, that kind of thing. So 
obviously you get the ball to the middle of the court with penetration. Well, defense has to suck in. You get a lot of kickouts for open threes, that type of deal. But what Missouri was kind of countering it with early, it seemed like Kobe Brown was getting the ball in the post, anticipating the double teams well and having good timely passes and cuts by both guys. Now, obviously, by the way, Javon Pickett going down early in the game didn't help the Tigers' cause whatsoever either. But I was a little bit surprised that the Tigers didn't stick with that action a little bit more. I thought that was a mistake to not try to almost force-feed the ball into Brown, have have some off-ball screens to get him into those positions where he was effectively attacking those double teams because with that no-middle defense, well, if you get the ball into the middle, if you happen to be able to get it there, almost by definition, those help defenders are going to suck in and you're going to get a wide-open shot. You just have to anticipate it quickly and probably not put the ball on the floor too often. Now, the Tiger women's basketball team got a much-needed victory over Alabama, solidifying their place on the right side of the NCAA tournament bubble, I would say, at this point. But mostly I just want to note that Ladeja Williams with 18 points in that ball game on just seven shot attempts. My goodness, you don't see that very often. She was literally perfect, quite frankly. Seven of seven from the floor, four of four from the free throw line to go along with six blocks, or excuse me, six rebounds and three blocks as well. If you've heard me on this show before, you know I, I really enjoy watching Ladeja Williams play because, well, in in, especially in the men's game, but just in all of basketball in general, there's just been a complete de-emphasis on the back-to-the-basket game in the post. And, you know, I just love seeing her variety of different pivots and fakes. And, you know, that's that's my kind of game a little bit. If you saw me play high school basketball, you know that's the kind of game I like to play. And, you know, I just like to see it in basketball. I understand the arguments for you don't want to just throw it into the big guy every time like it's 1958 and we're, you know, George Mikan is still doing his thing or whatever. I understand all that, but I think what's lost, though, is if you can't play with your back to the basket at all, well, you're completely missing a part of the game that's really important at times. Yeah, may, you may not get 10 post touches a game, but if you're going to get an occasional mismatch, if you're going to get a mouse in the house – when they switch and you're six foot eight and suddenly a six foot two guy is guarding you, well, if you can't punish that guy down down low a little bit, you're letting the defense off the hook. You're making it very easy for them to switch now all of a sudden. And frankly, your manhood should be a little bit embarrassed there. You should know how to play. You only really need one back to the basket move and a counter. This shouldn't be that difficult. What what's your favorite move with your back to the basket? Well, to me it was turn over my left shoulder and shoot a right-handed jump hook. Simple as that. Well, as long as you can just have something to go the other way, maybe a left-handed hook, for instance, that's really all you need. It's not that complicated, but hey, somebody like Ladeja Williams, as good as her footwork is, she kind of makes it look complicated, but really it's pretty darn simple. And hey, speaking of women's basketball, former Missouri great Sophie Cunningham has made her decision regarding her WNBA future. So let's talk about Sophie coming up. But first, I want to tell you about Rock Auto. Com. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto, and with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's virtually impossible for your local chain store. In fact, it's literally impossible for them to keep all the auto parts 
you could possibly need in stock. But here's the deal. RockAuto.com has a really easy-to-use site that's easy to navigate. Just go there right now. Find your make, find your model, find your year, and just once you click on your proper model, there's a very simple little search bar. Type in whatever you need. It'll pop up, and they'll give you the best prices you can possibly get. That's the beauty of rockauto.com. You've got standard replacements, economy replacements, or even you can get the premium stuff. But regardless, you're always going to get the lowest prices possible. No chicanery with, with, with Rock Auto. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car truck. Right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Well, the Phoenix Suns are obviously one of the best teams in the NBA right now, but I would say that's in spite of their incredibly cheap owner, Robert Sarver, who also happens to own the Phoenix Mercury of the WNBA, too. So I had to chuckle a little bit when I saw that the Mercury declined Sophie Cunningham's rookie option, but ended up bringing her back to the team anyway. Now, if that's not a move to shave a few thousand bucks off of the the final bill there for the Mercury, I'm not really sure what is. For a guy who used to sell off during Steve Nash's prime, by the way, those prime Phoenix years, he used to sell off first round picks just to save three, four million bucks here or there. Ugh, that guy. But anyway, regardless, I'm happy to see that Sophie is staying with the Mercury, actually. Obviously, they made the WNBA Finals last season. One of the most prominent teams in the league with Diana Taurasi and, and Brittany Griner being on the squad. But you know what? Cunningham really did show a lot of improvement last season, especially with her shooting, because frankly, I don't know that she would have still been on the Mercury this season or even in the WNBA if she didn't have a really big improvement in her shooting last season. The previous prior, excuse me, her first two seasons in the WNBA, Cunningham shot 38% from the field and 31% from downtown. And most importantly, this past season, she raised that three-point shooting by 10%, all the way up to 41%, which that's a really good number in any league anywhere in the world, regardless of gender, by the way. If you're in 41% from downtown, that's an elite elite number so good for Sophie and that's frankly going to keep her around in the league for a long time at her size at six foot one with her sort of multi-talent ability to handle the ball to maybe guard multiple positions to to be a frankly an irritant on the defensive end to be a physical player who can grab some rebounds well that's all well and good but it's it's tough to be a hustle player who can't shoot even in the WNBA, you still got to be able to knock down shots. And I say even in the WNBA because obviously the men's game, the NBA, has become obsessed with three-point shooting. Unless you're, unless you're Joel Embiid or something, you basically have to shoot three-pointers now, right? Well, the WNBA isn't a whole lot different, right? The women's game has gone up a long ways, and you need spacing, especially if you're going to play with Diana Tarazi. You better be able to catch and shoot because that young lady 
is well, she's not that young anymore. She's in her thirties. She's a veteran. She's but she's a heck of a basketball player. Is my point. And one of the greatest women's basketball players of all time. So she's going to draw a lot of attention and. For good reason, she's going to have the basketball most of the time. So it's good to see that Cunningham, while she was obviously the star at Missouri, has obviously been able to adjust to being a role player at the next level. Good for her, and I'm really happy to see that she's going to be heading off to her fourth season of the WNBA coming up here in just a few months. All right, and that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Mizzou. My daughter Ava has joined me for the last for the last minute here. If you can see it here on YouTube, this cuteness makes following on YouTube all worth it, I promise you. So until next time, I am John Miller for Ava Miller, and this has been Locked on Mizzou.